you know, we something to celebrate that you're different and you get to make a difference in this world. And she was just smiling. I mean, she's three, so I don't really know how much of that she really understood, but she was very excited about it. So yeah. pride bringer and Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Momming and Dadding Autism. Autism. Last week was our very first episode. We just launched. That was really fun. We kind of talked about who we are. So I'm Renee. I'm Ethan. We have two girls on the spectrum, Opal and Lucy, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight is their process, the evaluation, all of those things. So. And diagnosis day. Yeah. Ooh. Two, because we have two of them. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Okay. So. We're going to talk about that tonight, but we just wanted, um, just as a reminder that we started this podcast for other parents with autistic kiddos, moms and dads, and this could be caregivers too. This could be grandparents, uncles and aunts. This could be people that adopt or or however, whoever. Um, We just want to be like a light and we want to bring hope too because, you know, sometimes a lot of people looking in kind of treat autism or people that are autistic as like a tragedy and we don't see it that way. Not at all. So yeah. that's why we're here and talk about our wonderful girls and you know it is hard um, but it's still so full of hope. We always, rainbows are a big deal in our house and we always talk about how there's always a rainbow after rain. Yeah for sure. I'm um, talking about always hope you know when we first experienced maybe like the diagnoses and all that, and I know we'll get to this here in a little bit, but, you know, at first you feel like maybe there isn't hope. Yeah. But, turns out there actually is. There's always hope. Yeah. So, um, we believe in God. We are very big about our faith. We're very passionate about God because God has done a lot for us. And so, we're going to also talk about our faith through that entire process because I do think that that was affected. Um, just because when you grow up and you're a kid, you never assume you're going to have a child with a disability or with special needs or however you want to say that. And I feel like it kind of just hit us out of nowhere. So do you, do we want to just go ahead and start with Opal? Oh yeah, we can start with Opal. So Opal is five. She was diagnosed December 1st. Of 2021. No. Really? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Oh, 2020. Yeah, 2020. It just it was the same year Lucy the, was born. Yep, and the pandemic and all of the craziness. That was a very, very hard year for our family in so many ways. Mm-hmm. So, Lucy was born in February 2020, mm-hmm. and Opal was two and a half. And in March, about a month later, you know, when COVID happened and... You know, just having a new baby at home was just kind of stressful, too. We noticed a little bit of regression from Opal. And um, and one day, she woke up and just, like, stopped talking. Mm-hmm. So, she said, like, three words for the next three months. She said, um, Mom, which to her back then meant more. Because she mm-hmm. would say Mama for Mom. Um, go and something else. Guck. No, she wouldn't say milk, and that's how we knew she stopped talking. Yeah. Because every morning, she would run to the fridge, and she would say, Guck. And that meant milk milk to her. And we would get her milk, and one morning, you know, we just waited for her to say it, and she threw a fit, and she got really, really upset about it, and she wouldn't say it. And that just 
never came back. Like, she never said it again. I think that's the first meltdown I remember ever Opal having. But in the moment, we didn't know it was a meltdown. We just thought, you know, something's going on. Because like you said, we already kind of saw some, like, some things starting up. Mm -hmm. But then that was like, yeah, we should reach out to our doctor because there's something going on. So we kind of talked to our doctor about it. She wasn't really concerned. But then um, Easter, whenever that was, so the end of March, beginning of April, Mm -hmm. whenever it was that year, we had like an Easter egg hunt outside in our front yard and she wanted nothing to do with it, which was just crazy to us because the year before she loved it. She just wasn't like big enough to really do it the year before. And she just wanted nothing to do with it. And it like broke my heart because I thought that she was having this regression because, you know, we had a new baby and COVID and we just it was just so traumatic. Like we couldn't leave our house. We couldn't see family. We couldn't be around friends. And Ethan was an associate pastor for almost eight years and we couldn't even go to our church. Like we. Yeah. And whenever we would tell people over the phone, you know, there's something going on, you know, uh, not really judging anybody, but just being normal people, they would say, you know, yeah, it probably is because of the new baby, you know, which makes COVID. sense. COVID, a lot of things, you know, so uh, you know, just they're our friends. It wasn't like they were, you know, a bat. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But it wasn't like they were trying to act like it wasn't a big deal, but it's normal. Just say, yeah, sit new sibling. Yeah. And But we knew something here at the house. It was like we were, we were lost with no answers with a child that lost all speech, that lost, um, well, not all, but most, but um, lost a lot of their functions and so it was a very scary time lost a lot of skills she didn't really want anything to do with us yeah too. like she just she was she had always been good at playing by herself but like she only wanted to be by herself unless she needed something kind and of. just a reminder this is all overnight yeah pretty much yeah and so after that easter egg hunt i um messaged or called her pediatrician and we had like a telehealth visit, you know, because, you know, during the pandemic. And she asked a bunch of questions and she was like, so I don't think that it's autism. And Which what like, do you know was on the table? Yeah, no. Autism had never crossed our mind. We didn't know anything about it. Like I knew like two people that were autistic. And, you know, before you really know anything about it, you have this view in your head of what autism is. And I was just like, there's no way. Like, no. She's just having this regression, Mm -hmm. and it's easy to believe everyone when they're saying, like, oh, no, she'll be fine, it's the pandemic. I mean, none of us really knew what was happening during the pandemic, so no hate to anybody. Yeah. Because it was traumatic for everyone. Yeah. Some people lost family members, Mm -hmm. and so... We had family members that got really sick. Yeah. So, um, and then one day, a couple months later... Her, the side of her face was drooping or something like that. Yeah. And we called the nurse and the nurse was like, bring her to the ER. So because it was a pandemic, only one of us could go. And Lucy was still like a baby and I had to feed her and everything. So I had to stay with Lucy. So Ethan brought Opal to the ER and um, her face like kind of stopped drooping when they got there. So mm-hmm. there was really no reason for them to keep her at the yeah. ER. It was one one side of her face, like you said, is drooping quite a bit in- I drove so fast to uh, the hospital. I it's really just her cheek, though. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just her cheek. Yeah. But 
uh, you know, we were really, really, really concerned. I mean, they did all kinds of tests, whatever, x-rays, you know, I can't even remember the CAT scans. Yeah. You know, it was serious in the moment. No answers at all. So we went home, but our doctor wanted to see Opal, I believe. Well, you have to have like a follow-up after like an ER visit, like yeah. you're supposed to. And so then Ethan went in with her because only one parent could be with her. And it didn't this make sense. This wasn't the same day. Just, you know. Yeah, it was mind. a couple days after. Yeah. Obviously, because you took her at night. And we thought she was going to stay overnight, but then they, they couldn't keep her. So anyway, um, so Ethan went in with her because I was like, there's no point of me going when I don't really know what, what happened, happened at the ER. And so Ethan went in with her. And still Lucy, you know, newborn. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, this was in June, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. June-ish. So we finally go in and you want to tell this part of the story? No, I wasn't there. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> well... All right, so we go into the doctor's office, you know, just routine follow-up, and, um, you know, so our doctor comes in and says it just straightforward, nice, as nice as she could, but she said, I think Opal might be autistic, and I think we need to get her tested. And Opal was sitting on my lap in the moment. Renee and Lucy are out in the car, and I'm sitting there, you know, she said that, but it didn't register at first. I actually said, okay, and I just nodded my head, and I looked at the doctor, and I was just kind of like, you know what, somewhat in shock, I think, because there was no reaction out of me. I just kept nodding my head at the doctor, and the doctor was kind of looking at me, and finally, I just started crying, not because... Opal was autistic, but because I knew in that moment that there's going to be challenges for Opal, you know, that she's going to have to work through, that we're going to have to help her through. Um, well, and it did feel like everyone makes it seem like a tragedy, so it kind of felt that way because we didn't know point. anything about it. We mm -hmm. knew nothing about autism, absolutely nothing. We knew nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a oh-my-gosh moment. And I knew Renee and Lucy were out in the car, and I was going to have to bring out, um, bring Opal to the car and then bring the news to Renee. Um, but I remember just sitting in that doctor's office, and I started crying. And our doctor, she's been with us from the literal beginning, mm -hmm. the hospital, newborn moment with Opal. Um, she, you know, politely said um, something in the nature of, you know, I'm glad you cried because if not, you know, like, um, I would, like, kind of like she wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. Because it was just one of those moments. Like, it's hard for any parent to hear that their child might have some kind of struggle or disability or anything because we don't want our kids to struggle, you know? No, we don't want them to struggle. Yeah, and that's a life-changing diagnosis mm -hmm. because it, like, you're not diagnosed for a little bit and it gets fixed. Like, you are autistic forever like yeah. it's a big deal and as fathers we're fixers whether it be with our wives what in the middle of an argument we just throw out solutions whenever really we just need to listen or with our kids you know i knew this was ch meant challenges for opal and i wanted to fix it but you know like renee said you can't just do away with diagnoses and stuff like that so it was kind of a moment where you just kind of realize i don't know how i can help 
and from everything we've learned, we feel hopeless right yeah. now. So I take Opal out to the car. I sit in the driver's seat after I buckle her into her car seat, and I just start crying. And Renee's like, what happened? What happened? I'm freaking out because I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong? Yeah, because whenever I cry, I ugly cry. Yeah. It's not just a little cry. <laughs> it's ugly cry. But it takes a lot to make you cry. Yeah, it takes a lot Usually. to make me cry, and it takes a lot to make me laugh. So if you tell me a joke and I laugh, that means It's you're, really funny. Yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> um, and you know the... Well, never mind. I won't say that. But um, so I finally get it together and I tell Renee and she, you know, I don't... How did you feel in that moment? Like, how did you receive Honestly, it? Honestly, I don't really remember a ton of it. I think I was in shock because we weren't expecting that. And I was watching you ball your eyes out. So... <laughs> It was just kind of like, I felt like I had to be the strong one. Cause, and I felt terrible because, you know, dads are raising their kids too. And a lot of people are like, oh, is your husband babysitting or whatever? I'm like, no, he's raising our kids. So, but with that being said, like the fact that he went in with our child to the doctor, I had already felt bad that it wasn't me because I'm mom and I, I'm supposed to know all the things and go in with Opal. And so I just like felt like instant guilt. Like I should have been the one in there like getting that news like I feel terrible that Ethan was the one and he and not only was he the one but like we neither of us had each other when we heard that like he was totally alone just with Uh, the doctor another element of COVID yeah but yeah yeah but yeah no I don't think you should feel bad you know I know but yeah in that moment you did Mm -hmm. so so um and short story but that same moment, we were like, well, let's get, like, a drink at Brahms. Because if, if you live in Texas or Oklahoma, there's this fast food. Is in Kansas, mm-hmm. too? Oh. Um, or Kansas, I guess. <clears throat> there's this fast food restaurant called Brahms, and it's, like, much better than McDonald's. It's, but I don't really know how to explain it. It's like Oklahoma's version of um, Whataburger or... But what's, better. What's that other one in California like that everyone freaks out about? No, it's nothing No, like what In-N-Out. is it called? No, it's, yeah. No, it's no, no. nothing like that. I know, because it's way better. Or Whataburger. Yeah, it's way better. It's all <laughs> local, and it's farm fresh beef. Anyway. The best milkshakes. <laughs> uh, a newspaper in California wrote about how Brahms has the best burger in the nation. Anyway, so we get to the drive-thru, and I just remember the person in the drive-thru being so rude and just being so mean and so hateful. Yeah. And he had no idea what our family had just gone through. And in that moment, I thought, I'm always going to be kind. Because mm-hmm. even if someone acts terrible or ugly, I don't know what they're going through. Yeah, because he said something. I probably shouldn't even start telling this part of the story because I can't remember. But <laughs> he said something like, uh, you know, you could obviously tell my eyes were being balled out. And he said something in the nature of, like, like your day's bad or I don't remember I just remember he was so rude about something it was like like the soda was all over the lid like it yeah it was just terrible we were probably just vulnerable and like our world is kind of like falling apart too so we're like remembering everything like so the diagnosis part if any of you guys know if anyone has ever told you like if you're listening and you're like waiting for a diagnosis or maybe someone just told you you might need to evaluate. Like, get on the ball with that because that there's a place here in Oklahoma that it takes two years just to get a diagnosis. It takes forever, and I know it's hard to hear and accept and move on, but, like, it's either 
accept it, move on, and maybe heal while you're trying to get that diagnosis or wait a year to heal, wait two more years, you know. But anyway. That's just first appointment, too. Yeah. Yeah, and two there's, year there's wait. There's three. Oh in my most gosh. most um, autism diagnoses, there's three appointments. But so there's an Oklahoma like kids hospital here and our doctor was like they'll call you and like I guess they don't call you for six months and then when they call you that's when they schedule the appointment which is a two to three wait year wait or at least six months so it would have been like a year so um we knew a friend that had an autistic son so we asked her you know what she did and she told us her psychologist that they used and um she said she's private, but you can pay for it out of pocket, which it's really expensive. So we we're like, we don't know how we're going to do that. But she ended up taking our insurance. And then um, we somehow got on the website and tried to schedule it. Yeah. For, you want me to tell this part? Yeah. Okay. So we get on our website. We schedule it, which is like six months out and um, or something like that. So no, no, no. I'm sorry. We schedule like three it. Three months of it for, was full. Yeah, so we schedule it for three and a half months out of from where we were in that moment, which is unheard of. It's usually like Renee said, yeah. six months to maybe three years. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we got three and a half months wait. That's awesome. But we were going to have to drive to Texas. But we're going to have to drive to Texas. Which was fine. It was only like two or three hours away. Yeah. So we get a call from that office a few days later, and they're like, we're so sorry. There was a mistake with our online website. That date was not available at our Texas office, but our at our other office in Oklahoma, which is actually closer to yeah. us, we will honor that mistake on our behalf, and, and we'll call you with the date, and we'll call you with the date. And they called us with the date, which was near that. It was in Novemberish. Yeah, so it was even earlier. So you know, as Christians, we automatically you know just begin to thank God for that open window. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that was just a crazy story. Yeah. So, with Opal, all of the appointments were, like, telehealth appointments. So, the first one is, like, the worst appointment because they ask you a thousand questions. They ask you, how far along were you in your pregnancy? Um, did your kiddo have ear infections? Like, all these questions. Did like, your... when did your child start crawling? And um, we had to fill a lot of that out before that. But it's, like, to remember all that is so hard. Like, especially when – because I feel like now I remember a lot of those things because I I know that I need to know that. But, like, when you're, like, a first-time mom, it's just, like, I don't know when they were supposed to. Like, I don't remember. Ask me questions like, when did you last (laughs) eat a burger from McDonald's? I'm like, what? (laughs) But – so that was the first point. And then the second one, um, we went into Opal's room and – Usually that's when they do an ADOS, which is like they... um, Watch your child play. Yeah, they watch your child play. They try to engage with your child, kind of like notice things. and um, It was just such a different experience because it was telehealth. But I remember we have this kitchen set and Opal kept running over to it and like toggling or moving around the faucet. And Mm -hmm. it was nothing like I ever really noticed. And she would, like, run around the room and do it again, run around the room and do it again. We just never really noticed. But she just had us try to get her to, like, play with toys and stuff like that. And at the very end of the um, meeting or whatever, appointment, because they tell you on the third appointment, 
but she even said on the second appointment, she said, well, I can already go ahead and tell you. She said, you guys know why you're here. You're here to see if, you know, your kid is autistic or not. And I can already tell you that she is, Mm -hmm. you know, before even the next appointment. She said, and then she pointed out the sink and she pointed out other things. Yeah. And um, so we knew it that appointment, which we didn't, I mean, obviously we were hoping we might know by then, but we didn't know we were going to know. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk about the rest of that day? The rest of that day, I think, I don't think what you're thinking, I mean. Talking. Which, she has an autistic son, which, okay, this is even crazier because if you guys have heard of the autism dietitian, it's her mom. Which, this is not a paid ad, <laughs> but it, you need to look up the autism dietitian on She's Instagram. Amazing. She is amazing in multiple ways. Yes. So, um, she has helped Opal and Lucy's gut health. So many things. She's a gem. So, that's how we found out about her. Which affects so much. Yeah. Not just your diet, but... But anyway, small world. And Britton is from Oklahoma. So, Mm -hmm. anyway. Britton, if you're listening, we love you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So thankful. Yes. So, um... So, yeah, we knew, and, you know, by that third appointment, we didn't yeah. even have to talk long because she would already told us. Yeah, because the, the psychologist has a son that's autistic, and yeah. she just kind of knew what to look for. So she was hitting the nail on the head. Well, and she knew how to talk to us as parents. Like, yeah. this isn't the end of the world. Like, She know, was telling us stuff we didn't know we needed to hear. Right. Yeah. Like, because she could have that compassion of knowing how to say things because she's a parent of an autistic child. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she recommended therapies and stuff like that. Well, we had to wait until the third appointment. But yeah, she confirmed yeah. it at the third appointment. Yeah. And yeah, she recommended all the therapies. So, yeah, Opal's done therapy since then. And honestly, you know, I know all different therapies have their... People don't like them or critics. people don't... Yeah, they have their critics or whatever, but... All of the therapies that Opal has done have helped her so much. I don't think she'd be where she is now without those. Um, I think she really needed help that we didn't know how to give her. You mm-hmm. know, like speech therapy and all the things. So. And we prayed from, I mean, we prayed on the way to Renee's appointments when she was pregnant and on these therapy searches Um that Opal would have the best care. We pray the same for Lucy, but the best therapist, the best yeah. BCBA, the best speech person, all that. Um, you know, I encourage you to pray for your child um, to get the same things. Now, I'm going to outpray you that my <laughs> child has the better <laughs> now, but for real, our kids need the best, and we've had the best. Well, and God cares. Yeah. Like, he loves our kids more than we do, which seems kind of impossible, but, yeah. you know. He died for them on the cross, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, and emotionally, I know we still have to talk about Lucy's story, but emotionally, as soon as Opal's diagnosis was, like, final, like, I felt like I could breathe. I felt like this huge weight had been lifted on my shoulders because my hardest time was in that unknown because I felt like I couldn't talk to anyone about it because anyone I would talk to about it would be like, no, there's no way she's autistic or, like, they wouldn't see my concerns, and they would almost talk me out of it when I knew deep down in my heart she was. Like, Ethan and I would go back and forth every day, like, mm-hmm. she can't be autistic because this and this and that. And then the next day, would be like, babe, she's autistic. Like, yeah. look, 
and, you know, just back and forth. And I was so upset with God because if you guys know me personally, like, I've always been a Christian. I gave my heart to the Lord at six. I went to a, a Christian private school from seventh to twelfth grade. I have never been a party girl. I've never done drugs, all those things. And the Bible says like you can't earn salvation, but it was like I kind of was trying to. And so I just kind of felt blindsided because also Opal's birth was really traumatic. And so I just felt like it was another thing that kind of came out of nowhere, which now we realize life is life. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. Life is hard for everybody at some point in time. But I just had a really, really hard time with God in those moments because I remember just crying out and being like, God, do you even love me? Like, do you care? Do you see? And, you know, we didn't know anything about autism. And we prayed that Opal wouldn't be autistic. We prayed the autism away. And that's not how it works. We know that now, but in those hurtful moments of like, we don't want our kid to be different. We don't want her growing up not being able to talk or, or this or that or people picking on her for, you know, being autistic. And mm -hmm. so I think that as soon as she was diagnosed, I just immediately was like advocate, like mom. Like I totally understood. Like I was like, it all makes sense now. Yeah. And you really took off with being an advocate because I had no clue what an advocate was um and you've done amazing well you so know. you're a great advocate too well i've <clears> learned <throat> a lot from you and thankful for you um but whenever i heard the diagnosis was confirmed on that third phone call i feel terrible about this but you know i told her nanny to, well she offered she's like do you need to go on a drive because again i was ugly crying and i was like yeah i need to go on a drive rightfully so and, um, yeah, it's not bad to cry. No. But I felt terrible because I said, yeah, I'll go on a drive. And I drove away, like, to a town nearby, like, 30 minutes away. And, you know, cried on the way up there because I also was kind of frustrated with God. Not Well, not kind of. I was also. And so I went shopping for Opal's new diet, which was very intimidating. About sprouts and gluten-free. Now she's got way you more. You didn't go shopping then. Yeah, that day. You even got us dinner. Well, I also went to Sprouts and also to, uh, or not Sprouts, I meant to say Starbucks. I will say, you didn't go to Sprouts? Yeah. No, because we ended up doing gluten and dairy-free with Opal because that was just, back then that was kind of the thing to do anyway, but honestly, like Opal needs to be gluten and dairy-free because she's yeah. very sensitive to those, but we'll talk about that but, at uh, another time. But. Yeah. I bawled my eyes out and the person at the drive-thru pride and this guy's had they were nice to me, but... Um, and you had sunglasses on, right? Yeah. Oh, I made sure of it. <laughs> but, yeah. So... So, and... Um, and this girl right here needs to write a book one day about how it's okay to grieve um, while being a Christian. Because, you know, she's an advocate for that, too. A healthy grieve. I've got a lot of book ideas. Yeah. I just gotta have time to write them. <laughs> she's got a bunch of books in her. So... That's kind of how Opal's diagnosis and eval and everything was. So, you want to talk about Lucy? Yeah. So, when she was born, we kind of knew statistically that there's a good chance, not always 100% chance, obviously, but we knew there was a good chance that she might also be autistic. I guess not from the moment she was born because Opal was. Right. From the moment we knew. That from Opal the moment was. she was a newborn-ish. 
Um, but so that we started watching for, you know, signs and everything. And Renee was very aware of signs, being in the community that she's in, doing the research that she's done. And so, like she suggested at the beginning, do not wait and see. Even if you think it's possible, get your child um, in, a, for an eval. in for an eval and you tell your pediatrician this is what's happening. Because um, a lot of pediatricians are very like, oh, they'll start talking. And, and maybe they do, but what if they don't and you lost precious years of their precious months of like knowing, you know? Yeah, so you make sure you do what's best for your child just like you always do. Right. But you got to push sometimes. And that's something I saw Renee um you know grow into not pushing but standing ground because i'm not that person either we're not those people (laughs) uh i literally have been told my whole life how shy i am like i am not i'm good at standing ground for what i believe in like i if i have an opinion on something you're probably not going to change my mind unless god does it (laughs) well unless you're proven with facts right but being an advocate is so hard because it's like an equal, like you're trying to be a lion and a lamb because you can't be too lamb and like let everyone like walk all over you. But you also can't scream at everyone and be like, you need to have inclusion. Like no one's going to listen to you no. if you're ugly about it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, being yeah. an advocate's really hard. And you really do balance them out greatly. We compliment Whoa. As much as we can, but also we're going to make sure our kids are safe, getting mm-hmm. served the best they can. And I cannot express my thankfulness for the therapists the girls have, especially a couple that I would like to give a shout out, but I can't give away right. that kind of information. <laughs> but um, yeah, so so Lucy's diagnosis. So we did the early, what's it called? Head start? No. Is it where that person came to our house? Yeah, but what's it Early intervention. Early intervention. Yeah. So we did that, and I don't want to put them down. I don't know if it's Oklahoma, but literally, I mean, every time she came over to our house, she would be like, well, she's she's playing pretend, or well, she's doing this, like, trying to prove me wrong that she's not autistic. And I was mm-hmm. just like, I just felt like it wasn't even a help because I already had Lucy in PT because she was late on walking. She was late on... Sitting up, well, mm-hmm. sitting up was okay, but she was late on crawling. She wouldn't even bear weight on her feet, like yeah. So she needed PT, and I like I literally was like, no, we're gonna do speech. She's not talking. She talked a little bit, and then kind of regressed like a tiny bit. Yeah. And then we put her in speech at like sixteen months, mm-hmm. and then we also put her in speech or um, PT oh. then. Yeah. And then eventually OT, but um. So, yeah, early intervention was not a help at all because yeah. it they wait forever to even put your kid up because when I was telling them about, like, well, she's not walking yet and this or that, they're like, well, that's okay. You know, that's normal. And blah, blah. I'm like, that's not normal. Mm-hmm. And I would tell them, I'd like, well, I already have her scheduled for a PT eval. And they were like, oh, you do? Like, I feel like they felt useless, too, because – they just didn't have anything to do for Lucy, and I didn't really need them to tell me whether they thought she was mm-hmm. autistic or not. So, honestly, like, in our situation, I've heard early, a lot of great early interventionists, but, like, ours just wasn't, I don't know, it just yeah. wasn't needed, I guess. Yeah. 
And one thing we did whenever we knew it was time to schedule an appointment. Don't mark my words on this, but I think this is accurate. I think you can get on the schedule at a um, eval uh, center before your doctor sends over the um, the request. Mm -mm. I think no. you have because there's so many people, or at least in our case, like our our doctors still had to send over stuff before they, mm -hmm. and you know with Lucy we were able to call her on in multiple places and get her on a list or whatever. Yeah. Um, but we got on oh, um, yeah. cancellation right. lists too, and you can ask for that because if someone randomly cancels, you can get that spot, and mm -hmm. you might have to be there in a week, but your kiddo gets in in a week yeah. instead of a year. Yes. So that's what happened with Lucy. Yeah, now that you say that, I remember every time I would call to get her on the list, they would ask if we could, you know, they would ask our doctor's name. and the referral. For the referral. And they reach out to the doctor to get that referral. Um, so I'm just trying to point out that it it's a little easier than you might think um, if you've never done it before. Right. You call the eval station or center, have them reach out to your doctor, and then, like Renee said, get on the list, get on the cancellation list, call back, check in, all that stuff. We checked in at the place Lucy eventually was diagnosed at a couple different times, and we're persistent with it. And The squeaky wheel gets the grease. It's just the truth. It is the truth. And they, we called one day, and they, they, or no, or they, they called, called us. because we were on the cancellation They left list. you a voicemail, right? Yeah, and I called right back. Yeah. I don't usually answer calls. So I don't... Yeah, because we're like, oh, call back, call back, you know, and Renee called back, and or I did, whoever, but they got her on the cancellation list. We had to take her a week later. And, you know, we had talked to the doctor about, we thought Lucy might be autistic, and you could tell they were kind of hesitant because with Opal, it was very, very, very apparent mm -hmm. that she was autistic, but with Lucy, it was not. Like, I had to explain why I thought she was autistic and all the things, and they were like, well, um... Excuse me. They were like, well, she's, I almost said her name. <laughs> mm -hmm. She said something like, well, I trust you or something like mm -hmm. that. And, um, and I just said, you can wait or whatever. But we ended up asking for a referral and, and mm -hmm. she did it right away. Our, our doctor, the girl's pediatrician, we're blessed with because she, Trust both of us, but Renee and her really, Renee does her research. The doctor is pretty flexible. Mm -hmm. Takes your re your words for stuff and concerns serious. So, yeah, exactly what you just I said. I mean, she was she went through all that with Opal with us, so. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so, yeah, we got the call. We went in three appointments with Lucy. The first one, I went in, and Lucy just kind of, played with the toys that they had in this like tiny room and she asked me all the questions for the first appointment. Second appointment, Lucy actually got to do the ADOS. So like she um, put a bunch of stuff like for a baby doll to see if Lucy would know how to like feed the baby or put a blanket on the baby and kind of watch for eye contact and stuff like that. And, um, and then the next... The third appointment, it was just you and I. Yeah. Somebody... And they, they were, were, which, because Lucy is just, it wasn't apparent, apparent, we just didn't know what they were going to say or mm -hmm. think, and I was fighting hard because I knew. Yeah. I knew, and I brought, I showed them videos, I told them all the things, and we can talk about signs that we kind of saw with the girls, like in another episode, because yeah. it'll take a while, but, 
I mean, I was just not going to let them, you know, be like, no, she's not autistic. And mm-hmm. they said, they said, yep, she's autistic. And I was like, I knew it, you know. Yep. And, and what do we do after? We went to Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> we took Lucy to Buffalo Wild Wings. She loved it. We did too. Um, you know, at that point, it wasn't, we weren't totally out of the dark, like with Opal, you know, where we thought there was no hope. But we kind of had the bulls by the horns a little bit better. We knew kind of like how to do this life. We knew it was going to be okay. two years later. So yeah. I feel like we were well into acceptance mode. Yeah, but I was, I feel like I was still in the dark, you know. Like, well, because it's another diagnosis. And a lot of people, you know, listening, if you've had multiple, it doesn't get easier like to hear it again. But it's easier to move on, I feel like, because it's just like, okay, yeah. we're doing it again. We've already, we're doing it once. We're just doing it again. And mm-hmm. um, most people I've talked to, if they have multiple kiddos on the spectrum, they're just totally different. Like in every way. The kids? Or yeah. The, okay. And Opal and Lucy are totally different. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yep. For sure. So I remember they probably, you know, because those evals, it's probably hard for them to tell parents like, yeah, your child's autistic. I felt like they probably could breathe a little because we were just so chill, I felt like, about it because we were expecting them to say mm-hmm. that. And we had already heard it once before, like, with a kiddo. So I think they probably just appreciated, like, not and it being a heavy yeah. meeting. When I remember the person that told us everything was very encouraging, too. Yeah. It wasn't like doomsday, your child is autistic. Yeah. They were very, like, I can't remember what they said. But I remember how they made me feel, yeah. you know. She was like an intern too, so yeah. she had like her. I don't, I don't know what her they're all called when you're right a psychologist her, and stuff. But yeah, her overseer. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. And that was September first, twenty twenty-two. So mm-hmm. Opal was diagnosed December first, and Lucy was diagnosed September first. Yeah. So they both have a one. Yep. And. And Lucy's is coming up. Yep, coming up in just a few days. It'll be Friday. Yep. September 1st. So. One year. Yep. Always one been year. autistic, but one year since we got our diagnosis. We like to celebrate those days in mm-hmm. some way because, you know, it just it was the day we found out that they might be different, but it doesn't mean they're not But now they get to world. understand who they are. Yeah. You know? And we get to understand how to help them. Mm-hmm. And so... I actually talked to Lucy about that today. We were sitting at the table, and she said, Happy birthday. She loves the happy birthday song. And I said, well, you actually kind of do have a happy birthday coming up. And I said, it was the day we found out you were autistic. And I said, you know, we found out you might have struggles, but we mm-hmm. also found, you know, we something to celebrate, that you're different, and you get to make a difference in this world. And she was just smiling. I mean, she's three, so I don't really know how much of that she really understood, but she was very excited about it. So, yeah. probably bring her in. Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> <laughs> no, she can't have cheese anymore. Mm, that's so, true. But, yeah, we just kind of wanted to talk about our diagnoses. And emotionally-wise, I think I was okay when yeah. Lucy came around. Like, I was not, what was me? I mean, I was a little sad just because... Again, we talked earlier how it's just hard to hear that your kiddo has a, a diagnosis. Yeah. Or any kind of struggle. 
Yeah. Because I, we all expect our kids to be above average and be the best at everything. And not that our kids won't be the above average or won't be the best at everything, but, yeah, you know, disabilities means they're just going to struggle extra hard. And I just thought of this. Whenever we received Opal's diagnosis, I went to work the next day. I stayed home that day. But the next day, I had texted my boss and the rest of the office, and I said, please don't ask me any questions. Because I basically was a walking, what do they call it? Like, a, I was shattered. I was, yeah. If you ask me anything, I'm going to start crying. Yeah. Because, you know, the challenge. With Lucy, I remember going back the very next day. I walked into the office, and I was like, <laughs> Lucy's autistic. You know, like, yeah. we know how to help her now. And, you know, like, I think I was probably shocked them all more than I was shocked. But well, it was no just, one thought Lucy was autistic either. Yeah, because she presented everything so different. so different. Which no one thought Opal was, and that was very obvious. Yeah, no one thought Opal was <laughs> because no one around us really had ever, you know, been exposed. And then the exposure they did have with Opal was so was different Opal. than yeah. Lucy. So it's like, like, well, she's nothing like Opal. Double exposure for us. But thankfully, Renee knew from her online community, her friends, that no two diagnosis or no two. Um, people with autism are the same. Right. It's always different, um, and the professionals can really help, especially, you know, this professional right here. I'm not a professional. To me, you are. But, um, <clears throat> yes, yeah, so it can always be different. Always be proactive and get your appointment scheduled. Yeah. And I feel like you always have that feeling, like, if I know it's easy if you bring up something and your doctor's like, no, like even the professionals don't always say say things and they don't always know because even pediatricians, like they don't learn a lot about autism in doctor school, whatever mm-hmm. that's called. Like they don't learn hardly anything about autism. And it's one in 36, 37 kids is autistic now. Yeah. So, I mean, I need to get on that. Yeah. But if you have a feeling and you know you're not t- being taken seriously, go to go get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. You go to a different pediatrician and they're like, mm, "No. Maybe get a third if you really think you need one." But I think you just know. I mean, some of us felt kind of blindsided, but when you know, I I just I didn't always know it was different cuz now Yes, Opal went through a regression, but when we look back, like, we know she was autistic before that. It just presented itself so mm-hmm. differently. Mm-hmm. And then she had that regression, and she's still nonverbal. She uses an AAC, mm-hmm. like, to communicate, which is like an iPad with, you know, that talks out loud and for her little voice. And um, she's doing really well. We're proud yeah. of our girls. We are very proud of them. And this is going to sound so much like a salesman, which I don't mean to sound like it. But if you have any questions on our um, Facebook or Instagram page, you can message us. We'll get the message. Most likely Renee will answer because I may not know the answer, but I might. We'll both answer. We'll both answer. But she is a wealth of knowledge, um, and I highly encourage you to reach out to her. And I don't know what it is about men, but I've heard so many wives talk to me about how their husband is struggling and they won't reach out to anyone. Mm-hmm. So if you're a dad or a grandparent or a grandpa or whatever, like reach out to Ethan because men can have emotions. 
mm-hmm. too, because it's hard on all of us hearing any kind of diagnosis. So if you're just having a hard time, please reach out to us. If you're in the middle of that not knowing stage, and that was really hard for me. A lot of some people, it's harder when they get the diagnosis because then it kind of seems final, which it is. But then it's just like you can't run from it or mm-hmm. um, so, yeah. Yeah, please do. Please do. So we always try to end the episode with a joke. Mm-hmm. We'll lighten the mood a little because I ended a little heavy-ish. Yeah. Do you have a joke? If you can help me remember how to say one word, I have the joke. <laughs> That's the beginning of the joke. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I was like, Ugh. I think I remember how to say it. I just haven't heard anyone say it in a while, but I'll try. Did you hear about the claustrophobic astronaut? No. I didn't hear about the claustrophobic astronaut. Well, it's okay. He just needed a little space. (laughs) Har, har, har. (laughs) What's your joke? What do you call a pile of cats? I have no clue. (laughs) A meowntin. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. Oh, gosh. Man. So. That's a good one. You can put those in your back pocket for whenever you're, like, in a joking contest or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Need to make your kids laugh, you know? Yeah, and probably one of those times when your kid just stares at you like, <laughs> you like. No, you're going to thank us when someone's like, hey, do you know a joke? You're going to be like, I remember that joke on the um, Mommy and Daddy Autism podcast. So. Yeah, I heard about a job that, um. You know, the place I look up to, I heard that in the interview, before they hire you, they say, tell us one good joke, and you know, you're supposed to be able to on the spot. I thought in that moment, I would never get hired there, because I never have (laughs) jokes in my back pocket, ever. I may like telling them, but I always have them on a list. Oh my gosh. But, yeah. So, tell them where they can listen. So, you can listen. Which you're obviously listening somewhere, so. Yeah, if you're listening on Spotify... (laughs) We are now on Apple Podcast also, and vice versa. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, yeah, you can Spotify. find us on Spotify. But also, we're going to start uploading our YouTube videos soon. Um, not exactly sure when, but soon. Um, if we're not there yet, it's not soon enough. Um, and we also have an Instagram and Facebook page if you want to follow. Yep. We also, Renee has an amazing, very... Uh, Fun page to follow on Instagram and Facebook called Life with Opal and Lucy. That may change. We don't know. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about changing the name, but I don't know yet. We'll see. Search that name first. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we hope to release at least one episode a week. We are working to improve our audio quality, everything. You know, we, we want to make it easy to listen to. Yeah, I want you to. You know, we're just a bunch of... We're two parents just wanting to talk to you guys, so it's not going to be perfect at first, but we'll learn. No. So? No. Not going to be perfect. No. Sorry, I'm just thinking about If you saw me in public, I'm usually wearing, like, sweatpants that were cut into shorts and, like, a dirty shirt. And, like, (laughs) so just don't expect that kind of... Like old white (laughs) t-shirt. Which I was in my younger days. I haven't done that in a while. No, you still do that. Well, not as much. Yeah. Anyway. On my off days. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thank you guys. Bye.